Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome in to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. We're sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 9 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls especially Cub fans, your phone calls at 312-332-3776. You can tweet at us. We will get back to you throughout the show as well. Lots to do tonight. We will talk about the Milwaukee Bucks at 730. Brian D. from 94.5 ESPN in Milwaukee. He will join us. The Bucks have their backs against the wall. Game 6, Saturday night. You can hear it right here on ESPN 1000 in the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll talk Bucks basketball at 7.30. We'll talk about the NBA at 8.30. Nate Duncan from the Dunk Don podcast. You can find it on iTunes. He'll join us at 8.30. But Adam, we start with the Chicago Cubs tonight. Chris, it was all good about four hours ago. Kyle Schwarber had let off the game with a home run. Then Anthony Rizzo homered. And then Chris Bryant homered. Back-to-back jacks. And the Cubs were leading. And then, you know, Kyle Hendricks came in. He gave up a couple runs. You know, Kyle Hendricks does that every once in a while. He can't be perfect and have a Maddox-like outing every outing. And then the bullpen reared its ugly head once again. And the Cubs lose after blowing not one but two save opportunities in the same game. Yeah, so the Cubs lose in the ninth. Suarez with the home run for the Reds. The Reds get the victory. I believe the Cubs are now 1-3 in three against the Reds this season. Ooh, those mighty Reds. Uh, Watch out. Take so, that, that, like you that. said, Abdallah, it's the bullpen. And the way we look at this team all season long is Theo Epstein has put it out there. He has said to the team, you have enough here to win. This team has enough within the walls of the locker room to get it done. They didn't spend in free agency, whether or not that was because of the budget or because Theo knew that this group was good enough to get it done. And that's the message. Treat every day like it's October, right? Uh, he was going to have a list of 10 games written down that the the Cubs couldn't let slip this season because last year too many games went by where they let slip, thus getting into that wild card playoff thus losing and being knocked out of the playoffs. Can I tell you that I would be willing to put a lot of money that today was one of the 10. You have a day game yesterday. You've got Rizzo's charity event. I'm not saying that that has anything to do with it, but it seems like a day. You've got the Reds coming in, the low, quote, lowly Reds coming in for a lazy Friday, a Memorial Day weekend Friday, an early release Friday, if you will, from uh, from most public schools. Basically, the start of summer in yeah. most people's eyes. Yeah. And this is a Friday home game for the Chicago I Gubs against a team 
that's not, quote, very good, right? Not one of the better teams in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Come to town. You should take care of business. Mm-hmm. But clearly, for the Chicago Cubs, there is a issue with the roster, and it's with the bullpen, and more specifically with the closer on the on the roster where the, the Cubs don't have one. The lack of a closer on the roster is 100% on Theo Epstein. The fact he has not addressed it to this point in the season, they have not gone out to get someone, to trade for someone, or to sign somebody, is 100% on Theo Epstein. And if you're a Cubs fan, I don't see how you blame anyone else at this moment for this team not being the best team in baseball other than Theo Epstein because Joe Madden's done his job. The lineup's done their job. Many guys bouncing back, having great seasons this year for the Chicago Cubs. Mm -hmm. The pitching staff doing what we didn't expect them to do and what the projections did not expect them to do, pitching like a great baseball staff should pitch. But it comes back to the bullpen. It comes back to the closer position. And then that comes back to Theo Epstein. Now, look, in a in a one or two game sample size, it looks like the Cubs have an issue. They're nine for 20 in save opportunities so far this season. However, they still have the eighth best bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball. But Abdallah, the bullpen can be good. Yes. But if you have no closer to end the game, okay. what does it matter? Steve Ciszek comes in and he gives up the two earned runs that causes them to ultimately lose the game. He'd gone 11 straight shutout innings before that. He'd only given up a run in three of his last 23 appearances. Obviously, Joe Madden after the game said he was just gassed. If Pedro Strope is healthy, that is a Pedro Strope situation right there. That is Pedro. That is his job. That is Pedro Strope's inning right there. Now he's not. So you have to figure out what you're going to do. You've had to use a lot of your bullpen. Joe Madden is known for taking out his starters maybe a little bit too early. And this is coming into use. We're talking about minutes. We're basically having the NBA minutes conversation, but with bullpen relievers in on May 24th. Well, he's overusing these guys. Well, the the way you want to look at it is from the back forward, right? And if the Cubs had a legitimate closer, you could then remove that ninth inning out of the equation because mm-hmm. you say that player takes care of the ninth. Now I worry about the eighth, the seventh, and the sixth. Yeah. Thus, when you take a guy out early in the sixth or in the fifth, you then have to juggle from that point on. Like, that's where you're getting to your point where he's taking pitchers out early, but a lot of that has to do with you don't know how it ends in the ninth. If you had someone in the ninth, you had Strope in the eighth, you have someone to take care of the seventh, you have it all taken care of, and then Madden can work backwards to the front and then work on his starters and figure it out from that point on. And that's why it all goes back to Theo Epstein, and you can join the conversation at 312-332-3776. Is there anyone other to blame in this situation with this team other than Theo Epstein when it comes to the closer situation? Uh, uh, yes. You can blame Tom Ricketts. You can blame the family for not having, not giving maybe Theo Epstein the assets to go out and obtain a closer, a Kimbrel, a Keichel, to go obtain someone to be that bullpen relief. If, if Theo Epstein, ultimately Theo's gonna take the blame, right? Theo is, is the kind of general manager that says, I'm not gonna argue about money. I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus. This is on me. I've given Joe the, the tools that I believe he can work with to create a new, to create a good bullpen. We've, uh, had a new pitching coach, so th- I, that was my decision, so this is on me. He's not a guy that's going to go out and say, well, we didn't have money to go get anybody, so this is what we're stuck with, right? But ultimately, if the owner, if Tom Ricketts, who famously before the season said, there's no money left in the banana stand, we've used all the money in the banana stand, 
And now this is uh, I say this is more on Ricketts than Theo, because if Ricketts would have said the pocketbooks are open, this we've got a window. And until that window closes, closes, the pocketbooks are open. So you can go and you can do whatever you want to. You want to sign Kimbrell. You want to sign Keichel. You want to sign whoever. You've got my blessing to go do whatever you want to do. Because as a fan, he should recognize we have a window of opportunity. And as soon as that window of opportunity closes, you got to start this whole thing over again. You can try to reload as much as possible. But there is a tight window here for the Cubs. And as great as their offense is so far this season, the, the outings by Kyle Hendricks, the outings by, you know, Lester had a bad outing last, last night, but he's been uh, good up to this point. You've got Darvish, who's finally starting to put it together. But if you can't trust somebody in the bullpen because of injury or whatever, it's time for Theo to go spend. And he may not be able to because the owner may not be letting him. And that's on the owner. These are, these are the Chicago Cubs, Chris. This isn't this isn't the Royals. These aren't the Rays. This isn't some small market team here. These are the Chicago Cubs. They won a World Series in 2016. The pocketbook should be that that game was sold out. Every game is sold out. Well, of course, it's okay? Wrigley Field. It's the summer. Let's go. You can't tell me you can't find some couch change for a reliever. Well, and that's what's interesting. All off season, the narrative. Trying to find some money for the family. There's always money in a banana stand. We don't have the money, Pop. All his money in the banana stand. And so Michael, his son, and his brother together enjoyed the cathartic burning of the banana stand. There was money in that banana stand. Well, it's all gone now, Dad. There's $250,000 lining the walls of the banana stand. Why didn't you tell me that? How much clearer can I say there's always money in the banana stand? No touching! No touching! And that's from Arrested Development, a sitcom from Fox back in the day you can catch on Netflix. Here's the thing, right? With the Ricketts family, with the Chicago Cubs, they are a cash cow. The fact that they didn't have money this offseason to spend on a closer. There's always money in a banana stand. When Abdallah and I hear that, we don't get it. There's always money always. in the banana stand. No touching. No touching. Because they renovated everything up there. Mm-hmm. The entire Wrigley, uh, Wrigleyville neighborhood is different now, and they own everything, mm-hmm. and it's all brand new construction. Okay, you won a championship in 2016. You think you sold some merchandise to the to the fan base that hasn't won in 100 years? You don't think that they consumed some product from stores? Yeah, I think you made some money. So Look, it's fascinating that they didn't have the money, and now the team is suffering because the the front office couldn't go out and get a closer. They couldn't solidify the closer position because there was no money in the budget, even though you are a team that makes gobs of money. There's money everywhere for the Chicago Cubs, but yet somehow they don't have a closer on this team. And I think the problem is this. A lot of fans are saying, oh, well, and, and, and ownership and whatnot are saying, well, we've got this network starting up next year. There's going to be money next year. We've got to pay these guys next year. Yeah. I don't care about next year. Yeah, I, don't care about, I don't care about next year. I care about this year. I care about this year. The Cubs right now are one game up on the Brewers. They're two games up on the uh, three games up on the Pirates right now. They're four games up on the Cardinals. I care about winning this division. I care about the Cubs winning this vision, uh, this, this division going away like they did when they won the World Series. So they do have time to rest late because we all talked about how they were tired and then they were hung over and all that kind of stuff. And we've heard it a million times. My point is this: that I don't. Next year is not guaranteed. You're, everything's clicking so far, except for the bullpen. So don't tell me you can't go out and sign Kimbrell or sign, sign Keiko right now. You, you've got money. It's costing me $40 to go see Ludacris at a park. You can't tell me you don't have money. They're, they're literally making Ludacris play 
in the park in front of Wrigley and charging 40 bucks for it. Well, be real. He Would he sell out Wrigley Field by himself? No, that's not the point. You're charging, so put him in the park. You're charging me for a park where I can stand across the street and listen to it for free? That, that's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. If you want to join the conversation, the phone number is 312-332-3776. One last thing about the TV network. What's interesting is we follow media all the time. Black mm-hmm. and Abdallah, we pay attention to this stuff. We read Variety. We read The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, what cable outlets are doing uh, successful uh, in this day and age? It's all about streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's all about cord cutters, right? And it's all about people getting away from cable. Yet the Cubs are entering into the waters into a cable network that's trying to get on normal cable. So, like, they're expecting all this money to be there. But again, think about it. Is this the right time to be doing so? Obviously, hopefully they're going to make a lot of money that they can put back into the ball club. But I think they're finding that it's a little bit more difficult to do than just saying, poof, we have a TV network. Would you say competition this day and age? The odds are greater that next year they spend more or next year they say, well, the network kind of didn't go as planned, and we kind of got to put off spending one more year. So going in early and extending our guys like Javi and Chris Bryant like we want to, that's going to uh, have to wait another year. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. In case you missed it earlier today at Wrigley Field, here's Joe Madden, his postgame press conference. You know, he uh, probably wasn't didn't have a full tank. <laughs> Probably three quarters, maybe. Um, so the stuff wasn't as clean or crisp. And Suarez is just a pain in the butt, man. He's been pitching him really well. He got it in a bad spot, and then he just hits it out. But I would never uh, jump on any negative town bandwagon against C-Shack. He's, uh, he's a rock. He's a, a huge part of our success now and moving into the future. Just a tough day. It's called baseball. It's just a point time right now where you have to... Well, uh, yeah, it's um, it, trying to spread it out as much as we can. And even though we have um, our bullpen is still, I think, one of the least used bullpens in baseball, uh, at least in the National League, regarding number of innings pitched. So, but then you, you talk about Brock Ciszek. Uh, Kinsler was the guy that I couldn't use today based on what had happened yesterday. And, of course, Chatty was out. Ryan been a lot. It's just the last couple times around we've had shorter outings from our starters, and I think it's you know kind of caused us to use them maybe more recently. But uh, they're fine. They're fine. It was just one of those days, man. People want to jump all over and say, they got to get somebody, but it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, so far we've done pretty well with this particular group. Um, I'm not going to, like I said, I would never uh, – Utter a disparaging word uh, towards Mr. Ciszek ever. Um, it didn't work today. Uh, give them credit, but uh, don't overlook the fight of the team. We had we played a pretty good game today. We swung to bats well. We had some homers. Um, I thought uh, Kyle was very good. Come on, home run to Puig. Otherwise, he was outstanding. So. There was a lot of good stuff that happened today, and, and the one that really stands out to me, we're playing hard and good baseball. We didn't win. They kicked the last field goal. That happens. I'm sure uh, Rizzo, the stolen base, is part of what you're talking about. stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, Riz, Riz knows what's going on all the time, and he he just watching and figured that um, Garrett was not paying attention to him, so he got that walking, running lead, um, and that was outstanding right there. So Riz, Riz um, is just a good baseball player. He doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, what he does on the bases, even without the best uh, speed, 
what he does on the field. He's a tremendous gloveman, and you see what he does throwing. I mean, he's, he's just a good baseball player, a big guy that's a good baseball player. You talked about how uh, the innings are a bit dramatic for the bullpen right now, but mm-hmm. your go-to guys seem to have had a lot Yeah, um, they have. Uh, Masishek has probably the most. I mean, if you look at us based on number of appearances uh, among our bullpen guys, based on the leagues, we're actually in a pretty good spot. Numbers of appearances, uh, like low 20s compared to some guys in the high 20s. So, um, but it's it's like with C-Shake, the other the, the, it's the one plus inning thing. That's the one that uh, builds up on them. The number of if these number of outings had just been pretty much one inning, I think they would have all feel a little bit better. But uh, like today, Brock, 1+. C-Shack the other day, 1+. Uh, Ryan's been in the 1-plus mode also. Kinsler, 1-plus mode. That's that's the part that is, I think, more than anything, wears them down, and that's the one uh, everybody's looking for the next Raleigh Fingers, but there weren't many of those. You always talk about staying in your lane as a manager. When there seems to possibly be a need in any area, do you, do you ever say to Jed and Theo, hey, I could use some help here, or they kind of know when you I really rely on the people um, seeing for themselves. I don't. I'm. I'm really good about staying in my lane, bro. I really love best commercial ever too. Stay in your lane, bro. I laugh every time I see that dude do that. And I actually looked up the actor's name because I had to find out who the, who this guy was. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, I mean, he uh, that he again. We were victimizing him by ground balls up the middle, bloopers to the right field. You know, that's it's a little bit of bad luck pitching wise too. I mean, the home run's a home run, but we've um, the Philly series. The same thing occurred. Uh, if you roll back the tapes, it happens, man. It just happens. Those will be coming our way shortly. Uh, but ground balls up the middle have been hurting bloopers to right field. They've been hurting us. Um, it's just uh, one of those things we have to continue to fight through. We talked before the game about Schwarber hitting for power, but also accepting his walk. Mm-hmm. That walk seemed pretty important there to kind of set up the home response for Chris. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, he's he's able to do all of that. Um, I, I like his at-bats right now in general. Um, yeah, I, I, I that's... You know, kind of why I did what I did because I think that it's it's becoming a more mature at bat, and uh, the more he stays up there, I think the more comfortable he's going to get. That's Joe Madden, his post game press ga- uh, his post game press conference heard right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. We're here till nine o'clock tonight. Let's switch to this, uh, Adam. I was watching the Bucks and the Raptors last night, and I have a question for you, and I want you to think about what I'm going to say here, Giannis. Is he more of a gimmick or is he great? Because the one thing that I keep thinking about Giannis Antetokounmpo is the fact that we're seeing the difference in the Eastern Conference Finals right now of what one star can do when they can change and control their own situation and then a different star who is a bit limited in what he can do uh, based with uh, his actual talent level and skill based on basketball to accomplish the goal. And I think that's what we're seeing here in the Eastern Conference Finals between Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. Is that Giannis, even though he's athletic, he's talented, he's probably the best athlete in the league, uh, he may not be a better basketball player than Kawhi Leonard. And it's a bit gimmicky because all he really has is to barrel into the lane, do the Euro step, and try and stretch Armstrong his way all the way to the rim. Which is cool, but it's also somewhat easy to defend. So is Giannis more of a gimmick, or is he flat-out great? I think, uh, yes. Yes, to both. 
I think he's a gimmick that is great. He's a great gimmick. And we're seeing how, you know, it, it, th- they each had to develop their own way. And you're comparing him to Kawhi Leonard, obviously, who's, who's the star that's already great, who was a finals MVP when the, when the Spurs won. And he had a chance to come up around other great players, right? Giannis has had to do this all by himself. And he came up in a system where that's all that they had. Was Giannis Euro stepping his way and that and the Bucks trying to win games? He hasn't had the supporting cast that Kawhi Leonard has had when he was with the Spurs and now that he's with Toronto. So I think that Giannis just needs more. I think that you saw yesterday something changed. You saw the game before something changed where, you know, it's never always been Kawhi has to do everything. Right. On the Bucks, Giannis has to do everything. Yeah, Mike Boonholzer has created a nice system around him with players that can shoot, but ultimately He's still on the Bucks, and the Bucks are still Giannis and company. Now, Kawhi on Toronto has good players around him, right? Siakam, Lowry, all those guys that can go off on a given night. Siakam's a great defender. Kyle Lowry can still put up 35-40 on a given night. He doesn't do it as much as he used to, but he can still do it on a given night, right? Whereas you've got guys like Chris Middleton and, you know, uh, other guys around, I'm trying to think. Like, I, Lopez? I, yeah, Lopez. Brooke Lopez. Yes, Brooke Lopez, who can shoot the three, but like you're not relying on him to shoot the three every single game. So it's all on, it's still all on Giannis, and so he's still relying on that gimmick. Where you put good players around him, it might be different. Like, he, he clearly is more talented as far as athleticism than almost anyone else yes. in the league. And I'm not saying this to knock Giannis. He's going to win the MVP this season, Uh, but it's a regular season award. And in the playoffs, you have to be flexible. You have to be able to change based on what the other teams are doing. In January, when the Bucs come to town, they can steamroll you. They can overwhelm you because it is a lot to handle. The way that Giannis can grab a rebound, go to the other end, and dunk it from the three-point line. It's crazy. His ability to pass from that spot and find an open three-point shooter in the corner. But in May... If you cut the head off of the snake, the body dies. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this series is the Raptors know if you limit Giannis Antetokounmpo, you are going to beat the Bucks. That's exactly what we're seeing in the last three games. Which is exactly why I wondered the entire time after the Warriors won the Western Conference Finals and been sitting at home, why everyone said they need Kevin Durant to beat the Bucks? Because I never understood it. You put Draymond on on uh, Giannis, and he can limit Giannis, and you just have to limit every like like Chris Middleton isn't beating you, Brooke Lopez isn't beating you, like these guys aren't going to come off the bench, and their bench isn't going to go for fifty, and you're not going to lose to the Bucks. If you stop Giannis, which is something the Warriors defensively can easily do without Kevin Durant, which is why I was like, oh, you better wait. Oh, just wait until till they face the Bucks in the finals because they're going to need Kevin Durant then. No, they're not. Yeah, I think the Warriors are, are way better than either team playing in the Eastern Conference finals. And I totally agree with your point. The Warriors needed Durant for one thing to beat LeBron. They did that. And now they really don't need him anymore. And LeBron hasn't held up his end of the bargain. Yeah. And look, don't get me wrong. Durant's the best player in the NBA, but the Warriors are that good that they don't need the best player in the NBA anymore because they needed him for one specific thing. Get past LeBron. And that's what they did. We talk with Brian D from 94.5 ESPN in Milwaukee. He hosts 11 to noon each day on ESPN Milwaukee. We'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.
Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Lopez has it. Final second ticks off. The Toronto Raptors, the first team to win a road game in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're headed home to Canada with a 3-2 series lead. Final score in Milwaukee, the Raptors 105 and the Bucks 99. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Game 6, Eastern Conference Finals. You can hear it right here on ESPN 1000 tomorrow night at 7.30. Can Milwaukee fight off elimination and force a Game 7? Can Drake annoy the nation oh, More even Drake more. conversation. Listen, man. He puts it out. He, he really bothers you? He doesn't bother me. All I, right. Listen, you know why he doesn't bother me? Because I know Drake. I've known Drake for a minute. Yeah, this, this is, is what he does. This is Drake. This, this is, is exactly what he, what he does. does. How are you surprised at Drake's antics at this point? <laughs> this is what he does. He's hiding a child. What? Uh, okay. Uh, that's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000. We now talk with Brian D. from 94.5 FM ESPN Milwaukee. He hosts from 11 to noon each day, right? on then ESPN Milwaukee. You can also follow him on Twitter at ESPN BD. Brian, it's Chris and Adam. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, guys, for having me. We appreciate it. Um, you know, I-, I can attest that some folks up here north of Chicago are a little bit annoyed with Drake's antics over the last week and a half or so. I was listening to your show earlier today, and uh, you guys had quite the conversation about how annoying it is to watch someone who's watching a game on stage during a game. <sighs> Yeah, it was definitely bizarre to see some of the television shots of Jurassic Park up there in Toronto last night with, uh, you know, a sea of Raptors fans watching Drake watch the game. He wasn't even performing. That would have been a nice gesture for all those Torontoans. Is that what you call somebody from Toronto? Um, you know, he, would, he could have been able to perform. It would have been fun for that to happen. But I guess the flip side of the coin is in Milwaukee, we've had Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari and Christian Gellich pounding beers courtside at five serve forum. So I got to imagine some folks in Toronto have seen that and compared those antics to what Drake's been doing too. That's true, Milwaukee fandom too. <laughs> just just pounding beers by courtside at a game. So the Bucks won game one by eight. They won game uh, two by twenty two, and then they haven't won since. What happened in game three where it seems like the Raptors have figured this team out? I think it's a variety of different things, guys. I think, you know, the first big thing is that Milwaukee's bench production has kind of gone away since game two of this series. And, you know, throughout the first round against Detroit, throughout the second round against Boston, the Bucks were getting awesome contributions from Pat Connaughton off the bench, uh, both scoring and rebounding from George Hill, who was kind of the, uh, the goat of last year's finals. He was um, shedding that goat status pretty well here in Milwaukee through the first couple of rounds. They were getting great bench contributions, and in games three, four, and five, those bench contributions have by and large gone away. That's one part of it. I think the second part is Toronto has figured something out um, that I don't think any other team in the NBA has figured out all season long, and that's how to make Giannis Antetokounmpo uncomfortable. He just hasn't looked like his own comfortable, dominant self for large stretches of games, um, you know, really since game two. And... I don't know exactly what they did defensively. It just seems like every time he's going into the paint, there are two or three bodies there to meet that, uh, meet him. He's drawing a lot of contact. He was bleeding last night, but still not getting whistles. 
um, you know, in, in some case. So it's a credit to Nick Nurse and that staff up in Toronto for figuring out something that nobody in the NBA has been able to do all season long, which is bothering him and making him uncomfortable. Brian D. from ESPN Milwaukee joins Chris Buck and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The Bucks were the best offensive team, the best defensive team throughout the regular season. They had the best record. Is there anything that you've seen in this series that has surprised you based on everything you saw throughout the regular season from the Bucks? Not necessarily, and the reason I say no is because Toronto was also really good in those categories that you just listed off there as well. I mean, you know, we all got swept up in Milwaukee in the in the 60-win plateau, you know, the Bucks winning 60 games, which is really a magic number for a lot of teams around the NBA. I mean, if you can get to that 60-win plateau, you were really, really good in the regular season. Um, Toronto won 58. Toronto was top five in offense and defense for an extended period of time, um, you know, throughout the regular season, so... I guess my answer is no, because Toronto is really good. We just got swept up in, uh, you know, just how exciting this playoff run was in Milwaukee because it's not something we've experienced up here since 2001. So uh, I don't think I've been surprised necessarily by anything in the series because Toronto is so good. The one thing I might pick is the Bucks just missing open looks from three that they've consistently made all season long. Uh, you know, their mantra all year was let it fly. They've got it printed on T-shirts up here in Milwaukee because they were a prolific, and still are, I think they can be over these next two games, um, you know, a prolific three-point shooting team at every position outside of Giannis. He hasn't developed that outside shot quite yet. But even a guy like Brooke Lopez, he made more three-pointers uh, than any other seven-footer in NBA history this season. So I think the one thing that maybe has surprised me throughout this series is that I think they're getting the shots they want from three. They're just missing open looks. Sometimes in a series like this with Game 6 elimination coming up, you see coaches change up the lineup or something like that. Has Mike Budenholzer alluded to anything like that coming for tomorrow night's game? No, he's really, he and Giannis have both really shied away from deviating from what's been good for them all season long. Um, naturally, they've had to change the starting lineup over the course of the season because of some injuries. Malcolm Brogdon was a starter early on. He had a plantar fascia injury that kept him out for almost two months, and he's been really good except for the last couple of games since returning at the end of the Boston series. Um, I think that's the only switch you could possibly see them making in game six tomorrow night is inserting Malcolm Brogdon back into the starting lineup because Nico Miritich, a guy that you guys are familiar with down there in Chicago, hasn't been shooting uh, as well, and I think that's part of a bigger three-point misses issue that I just alluded to a couple of moments ago. But I I think they're going to stay the course. That's been their... Their MO all season long is, you know, we know we're the best team in the NBA. You heard Giannis say it last night in his postgame availability up here in Milwaukee. Um, I don't think there are going to be a lot of changes made in Game 6. They're going to live and die by who they are. Brian D. from ESPN Milwaukee talking with Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. So, Brian, with all the lack of experience with the Bucks, have you had a lot of conversation on your show this week throughout the last three games where the Bucks have lost saying, you know, there's so much more playoff experience with the Raptors, and this is really the first go-around for this Milwaukee Bucks team. Yeah, we talked about that quite a bit uh, today on our show about how superstars in the NBA always seem to have uh, a nemesis or a hurdle or some adversity that they can't get over initially, and Giannis hasn't experienced that quite yet in his career. This is the first year that Milwaukee's made a deep playoff run with Giannis in the mix, and it's the first time they've made a deep playoff run in the city since 2001. So this could be that first meaningful adversity, and we're going to see how Giannis and the Bucks handle it tomorrow night. 
but I think you're right in, in talking about Toronto's experience. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry has been there and been bounced out late in the playoffs for, for several years, and this is a different Raptors group than it has been in years past, guys, but Kawhi Leonard was beating big three Miami teams in the finals and playing huge minutes uh, in the early 2010s against those Miami Heat teams. Danny Green was making big three-point baskets on those teams. Uh, you know, even a guy like Marcus Hall has played some important playoff basketball, so even though the experience hasn't been there in Toronto, they do have a lot of late postseason experience that, quite frankly, the Bucks just don't have right now, and it's not necessarily their fault. Are you surprised that 52% of your audience today said that they don't think that the Bucks are going to force a Game uh, 7 on Monday? No, I'm not necessarily surprised because this is uncharted territory for this Bucks team. Um, they lost back-to-back games one time this year prior to this, this three-loss stretch. Uh, they haven't lost three games in a row all season long. So I think the reaction from fans is very natu- naturally going to be, uh, woe is me, the misery is going to set in. It was it was a downtrodden vibe up here in Milwaukee today from, from the fan base. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's hope that Giannis can be the presumed MVP of the league and go up and win one basketball game tomorrow night and bring it back for a Rockets game seven at Pfizer for him. There's still hope there because, Giannis has showed all season long he can be the MVP caliber player, um, you know, and the best player in this league. It's just gone away for the last couple of days, and it seems like Toronto's figured something out. So I, I, I'm not surprised by that statistic that people are a little downtrodden today, just based upon the fact that we haven't seen this long of a stretch of poor basketball from the Bucks all season long. Brian, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. That's Brian D. from 94.5 FM ESPN in Milwaukee. You can hear his show 11 to noon each weekday right there on ESPN Milwaukee. You can also follow him on Twitter at ESPNBD. So, Adam, you take a look at these two teams, and one thing that keeps popping into my head as I watch the Eastern Conference Finals, is there ain't going to be any way you can play Marcus Gasol or Brooke Lopez against the Warriors? Yeah, that's, you know, like like the two plotting bigs, the Warriors are going to eat them alive. Especially the way that they play without Kevin Durant, they play a lot less isolation ball. They get a lot more passes per possess per hundred possessions. Dude, they're just they, going to put both they, of those plotters in pick and rolls yeah. each and every time with Steph or or Clay, and it's going to be the end of them. This could be. L- listen, you hope. For, this is what I'm saying. Hope for a game seven. Because it might be the best game we get for the rest of the NBA season. I don't think you're far off in that. Because I, I think the, 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 the discrepancy between talent from the Western Conference to these two teams, I, I think it's great. And I would be surprised if that series, the finals, if it went six games. It's not even the Western Conference. Look, if, the, if it's Blazers, Bucks. Close games. If it's Blazers, well, yeah, Golden State Warriors, they won the I, West. But you said the West. I'm well, saying yeah, the Warriors. They won the Western Conference. Just the Warriors. They won the Western Conference. Yes. So I think that, yeah, I think Get you look here. at the, You think the, the, the Blazers are going to win the West? No. Come on now. No. Uh, coming up next, the Action Network, the gambling website, they released their NFL power rankings for this season. Where do the Bears rank? It'll surprise you. That's next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Now we have our identity. Now it's a matter of how do you keep it and and not get complacent. So um, when you have leaders like we have to be able to, to take charge and show by their actions, not talk about it, but come here and show up, come here and practice hard. Yesterday we had an optional lift and we had... Darn, I, th- I want to say 98% of the guys on an optional lift. They didn't have to. 
they 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 showed up, and I think that that was just pretty pretty good stuff. Can I steal it from you? That's Matt Nagy, head coach of the Chicago Bears. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, Abdallah, it's Memorial Day. That means we can officially start talking. Oh, wait, football. Yeah, no, we just talk football all the time here. That's what we do. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, I've got a new set of power rankings here in the offseason. The Action Network, they have released the 2019 NFL Power Rankings. Where do the Bears rank? Let's start from the top, the number one team, and I think everyone agrees heading into this season when we do power rankings and we look at the National Football t- Football League, there's one team above everyone else, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely. you got the reigning MVP. They've got a good defense. They've added some good pieces. You know, I, I like the Kansas City Chiefs at number one. A consensus number one across the Action Network uh, platform as well. And uh, if you're going to do power rankings, it's easy to slot in the two teams that faced off in the Super Bowl, right? And if you're not going to put the defending champs, the Patriots, in there, you might as well put the team that played the Patriots as number two, the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I think you put in the Rams there. I think that's the listen. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady, but I think you you always have to wonder when the cliff is going to be there, right? You have to wonder when he's going to start the downturn. And he's been able to adjust because of all the stretching and whatever and how he keeps his body a temple and whatever, doesn't eat strawberries. But eventually there there is going to, like, father time catches everyone, and you just kind of have to feel like when is that going to happen. Hmm, okay, one and two, Kansas City and the Rams, and then we get to three, the Colts are number three. I like the Colts. No, I'm not concerned. There was some disagreement. Some people had them five. Some people had them four. So, like, the average was three. Yes. Number four, the New England Patriots, the team that won the Super Bowl. And we just talked about Mm -hmm. Tom Brady getting up in age. Speaking of, another quarterback who's getting up in age, the Saints. They are tied for fourth with the Patriots. Now, if you look at this, one of the members of uh, the Action Network had them the Saints as high as two. Uh, Chris Raybon, who's joined us a few times, has the, has them as low as eight. So some discrepancy on the Saints. But again, you worry about Father Time. Eventually, it's going to catch up with that arm of Drew Brees. All right. Uh, Chiefs, Rams, Colts, Patriots, Saints. So I'm, the, I'm the Bears should be coming up, right? Look, I am comfortable saying okay. all of those teams... All right. Slightly better than the Bears. We have two teams. We have two teams tied for six. Where are the Chicago Bears? The two teams tied for six on the Action Network, NFL Power Rankings, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm, Los Angeles mm -hmm. Chargers, and the Cleveland Browns. Say what now? Who? Who? The Browns and Browns off the the Browns. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's a lot of hype for the Browns. Oh, of course it is. I don't believe it. I would not believe that either believe because you know, you know how it works in the NFL. Don't believe the Off hype. season flashiness mm-hmm. never turns into wins in nope. the regular season. Nope. 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 Grit, grit and grind. That's how you win in the NFL. All right. So we've gone through seven teams yes. now and no bears. Okay. So the eighth team in the power rankings on the Action Network's website, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, the team that beat the Bears, right? Technically, yeah. technically, I mean, in a Super Bowl champion two yeah. seasons okay. ago. All right, all right. I would, I would say that they're still slightly better than the Bears. Carson Wentz will be a little bit more healthier yeah. this season, right? Yeah. He's yeah. back. Yeah. He's practicing right. in OTAs. Uh-huh. The ninth team in the power rankings on the Action Network's website. That's where we get the Chicago Bears. Ninth. Now, now, someone on the Action Network had them as low as twelve. Someone had them as high as six. Chris Raybon had them right where they are at nine. Nine. 
I would put them. I'd probably put them at eight because I don't agree with the Browns. Okay, so Matthew yes. Freeman wrote the little blurb about the Bears on uh, the Action Network. Yeah. He wrote that he wasn't impressed with Trubisky's 2018 development, and the Bears had a bunch of factors in their favor last year. The benefit of having a last place schedule, Rodgers being hurt for most of the season, Kirk Cousins being bad in his first season with the Vikings, and the fact that the Lions were a mess with Matt Patricia in his first year. The Bears now have a first-place schedule. Rodgers is healthy. Cousins should be more comfortable in year two. And Patricia's Lions should be better. The Bears went from 12-4 and four last season, but I think they're basically a 9-7 and seven team. Mm-hmm. After all, they did lose to both the Dolphins and the Giants, two of the worst teams in the NFL. Well, Trubisky didn't play that game against the Giants. That's they a true point. Bad against the Dolphins. But ninth. But it was hot against the Dolphins. The Chicago Cubs blew a lead today. They lose in the ninth. We talk about it coming up next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.